Hello, this is uh, Pastor Scott again with uh, our audio lesson on from the book, uh, well, on leadership from the book uh, Where Everybody Knows Your Name, Best Practices in the uh, Small Church. Uh, I am here with my wife, Sonia. Let her say hello. It's good to be here again. And uh, we are working on chapter four, which is our fifth lesson. And the, uh, the topic this time around is going to be telling the story, and we're going to be discussing, I think, a very important topic, which is uh, Christian education, which I like to use the idea of faith formation. But like in everything, we need to um, pray before we begin. So let's have a prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to learn more about your church. We thank you for Dr. Marilyn Johns, who has put together this book and this information we thank you for the fact that we can glean from this information and learn something uh, about ourselves, uh, help the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we remain uh, Jesus' risen hands and feet until his second coming. With that, we say amen. Amen. Okay, as we uh, jump into this, uh, this lesson, uh, I have questions again that I have gleaned from the chapter, and I'll let Sonia ask the question, and then I will gladly respond to it. And then she can add further commentary if she wants. For those that aren't aware, Sonia does have a master's degree in Christian education or early childhood education with a Christian emphasis. So she is more than qualified to, to discuss this uh, topic. So with that, I'll let her ask the first question. Okay, our first question today is, why do some churches see Christian education as not being a priority? Yeah, I like the, she brought this up. And, and so I did a little bit of thinking about it. Some churches think that they just worship and they leave. Or, you know, baptism is a, is a one and done. You do a one-time baptism, and then you don't have to do any faith formation with the child. And then, you know, they just sort of show up at confirmation, and they're going to magically be ready to learn Luther's small catechism. And I think that's a, a huge mistake uh, on the part of churches. Uh, also, I think as we continue to get into this new generation, uh, they're super busy and, you know, moms and dads are both working, which is a blessing, but at the same time, they see Sunday as family time. So they worship and then they're gone. And unless you have a parochial school, uh, then you're dealing with the fact that what nights do you have faith formation? And one of the problems we have here in Osmond, particularly at Emanuel, even though we're right next to the school, you know, geographically, is there's almost sports every single night. I mean, Tuesday is girls' volleyball. Thursday is girls' volleyball. Friday's, of course, going to be, you know, football. And they got basketball. And now they have tournaments that happen during the week. So it's really challenging to get uh, families, particularly young families, those families that have kids of that age, to set Christian faith formation as a priority for their kids. I think that's just the nature of the beast. Unless you have some other comments you'd like to make on it. Well, I think um, nowadays we just have a lot more options in our lives um, during our free time. Um, both parents typically are working and sports, as you said, typically are now year-round activities. Um, not necessarily just seasonal, and there's just a lot of different things in society that are pulling on families in different directions, and so they prioritize different things. But faith formation doesn't happen by accident. No, 
It no, ha- it, has, it, happens, it has to be taught it, and, ha- and, and, and designed. Yes. So, so even Aristotle says that you know he didn't believe in original sin, but the uh, the medieval church sort of fused in Aristotelian philosophy into education, and they said if you want to learn something, you've got to see what it looks like, and you have to practice it. And that's the how the virtues. I mean, being polite and courteous and kind. If you don't teach that, it just doesn't happen automatically. And people aren't just going to fall in love with Jesus and the Bible just because they've been baptized. Correct. They have to be exposed to his story now, and be immersed in it. Right. And, of it. and some of that can happen in worship, and, and we'll talk about that in this lesson. But uh, there's got to be a little bit more beyond than just simply Sunday morning worship. You know, you hope they'll do it in the house or in the family, and they probably won't. Um, but at least worship, they're being exposed to it. But if you want to go further, there's got to be an organized effort to make that happen. Okay. That's true. But yeah, but some Christian churches just don't see Christian education as a priority. And if they don't, guess what happens? You have an empty Sunday school wing. That is true. You build it, and they never came. Plain and simple. Okay. Second question. All right. Our second question is, why has Christian education on Sunday morning transitioned away from children towards adults? Right. Okay. Well, let's go back and get the original reason why Sunday school was even started. It was started because people did not know how to read and write. So the churches stepped up, identified the problem, and said, here's a perfect opportunity to use the Bible. People can learn more about the Bible, and they can also learn how to read and write. Kind of like why the, the Good News Bible was first published. Mm-hmm. It was designed, uh, it, was, it was translated using only a, a certain number of English words for two reasons. Uh, one, so that people who were learning to read for the first time could read it. And the second thing, if people were learning English as a second language, they could also read it and use it to learn English. So it, it was a very uh, smart uh, effort. It was kind of like taking Sunday school to the next level in the translation of the Bible. Um, I used the Good News Bible when I was a kid. And I did too. I, I mean, remember they, receiving they handed, it in yeah. fourth grade. Well, I, I got it, I think, in third grade, and they gave me an RSV. And I'm like, I never read it because it just, nobody helped me. Here's a Bible, you know, it'll magically, you'll, you'll magically read it. I didn't. And so I had a Good News Bible and... I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I particularly loved the history books. There you go. I still love history. So that's how I did it. But Sunday school, I had Sunday school off and on, but that's a different generation. Okay. Mm-hmm. At least to know the basic stories about the Bible and Jesus. But yeah, I think they've just transitioned away. They they worship and then they're gone. And they're off to family events. If if you're in the uh southeast, you know, if you're in Florida. They worship and they're off to the beach. Right. Right. They're, they're, they worship and they're off to a family event. And that's just how it works. So the kids, and I think the kids are interested, you know, if you have a program, but, but the families are off to something that they think is more important than sticking around for Sunday school. But the adults stay, for the most part, because, again, it's, uh, they're learning faith formation. So that's a win. But with the kids, it's, it's a real problem. And it's not just here. I hear the same complaint in all the churches, even in Osmond and Lincoln. They make the same complaint. Right. And we've experienced the same complaint basically every place we've lived, you know, 
Um, there's just different, typically, activities competing with that Sunday school time block that families feel that they have only X amount of hours on Sunday to do family activities before the school week and the work week return. So they're being pulled in different directions. Right. Good. Okay. Next question. Number three. Okay. Why is it hard for small churches to get a critical mass of children for Sunday school? That's a great point. We've seen that in a lot of our churches. I mean, that the churches that I was you know, serving while I was still a prison chaplain, worshiping maybe 25 or 30, 40 people. You know, you've got enough for worship, but then again, they're all gone. So you never get that critical mass of kids. And then you might have one, you know, one child that's between third and fourth grade. One child that's between fifth and sixth grade. And because you don't have critical mass, you can't really pull off the Sunday school program. Right. And I will say, if you do have that age range, it is it is very difficult to teach in one Sunday school classroom, kindergarten through fifth or sixth grade, because the maturity levels and the interest levels vary greatly. Right. Now, if you've got a parochial school, that automatically fills that gap. But if you're relying upon Sunday morning, Sunday school after worship or during between worship services to cover that, that seems to be a dying ministry in, in most churches right now, I think, in America. I mean, I don't want to say dying, but I mean declining, definitely. And in small churches, it's almost impossible to kickstart it again. Because, they again, they just don't have the numbers to pull it off. So it's a, it's a good point. You need a critical mass. Okay. What else? All right. Question number four. Why has it become more difficult to get younger families to attend and teach Sunday school? Again, I think we just answered it. They're busy. Uh, the moms are working. You know, the last thing they want to do on Sunday morning is teach other people's kids Sunday school. Just be honest. They're tired. They're worn out. Okay. If grandparents don't do it, it's almost like it doesn't get done. Now, I will say this. Ultimately, the responsibility falls back on the parents. Church, you know, the church is supposed to come along, parents, and help them and assist them. But you can't, but if there's no interest, how do you, how do you keep the interest? You can't force a customer to buy a product just because you have it. So, okay. Okay, question number five. What is Christian faith formation? Okay, great question. I think instead of calling it Sunday school, you go to a bigger term and you call it uh, Christian faith formation. A lot of churches have gone to a midweek uh, night to pull that off. I know some of the really big evangelical Churches like in California, they do Tuesday night for junior high. They'll do like Thursday night for high school. Of course, then you ask the big question: Well, what about sports? Okay, you know, you're. But I think that families have to understand that you have multiple things competing for the same time slot now. It's not like sports used to say, "Okay, Wednesday night, that's untouchable." It's it's now everybody's competing for multiple time slots. So. But what they're doing is a lot of churches are abandoning the Sunday morning Sunday school model for the kids, and they're going to a midweek uh, family or excuse me uh, Christian family faith formation night, and and then they kind of do that. Now here it's kind of like Wednesday night. We do seventh and eighth grade. You know, thank God we have a volunteer that does fifth and sixth grade. I mean, thank God. I mean, I can't even imagine what confirmation would be like if we didn't have that program. 
and somebody leading that program. But so we do have some of that going on. But then the question is, is if you want to expand that, how do you do that? Are you going to get volunteers? Probably not. Are you probably going to have to pay for it? Probably. But even if you pay somebody to come in and teach, what are your, you know, what are your chances of getting a teacher to do it? So there's a lot of challenges to, to pull that off. A church has to make it a priority. And I don't want to go all negative, but it, you know, there are positives that are going on. We do have a fifth and sixth grade class. Of course, we have seventh and eighth grade for confirmation. We have high school that we're doing at least twice a month going into this fall, which is, I think is pretty well attended, and they do social activities. But there's a big gap between uh, kindergarten to fifth grade. That's a big gap in there right now. And I'll be honest, I don't have a, an answer for it. You know, we've talked about that. I just don't have an answer for it at this point. Okay. All right. And I know a lot of the churches in Georgia, they also had um, Sunday night as an option for... But again, you're competing with... Faith formation. You're going to be classes. competing with, again, you know, some kind of a secular activity. You know, family, sports, whatever. Well, basically, families have to choose their priorities that's and follow through with it. where it's coming up. Yeah, that's where it's going, if it's not already there. But, but stop thinking Sunday school and think more Christian faith formation. Mm -hmm. Now, we, with audio, like how we're doing this, there is other options. But I think the church is being very slow in how it responds to that. I wish the district would have a leadership audio program you know, for elders and church leaders. But they don't. Uh, that's we're trying to do it, you know, far from perfect, but at least we're trying to do something, um, you know, podcast or whatever. So there is, there's other angles. Maybe there's different ways that you can get it done. Those are things that need to be prayed about and thought about and investigated. Right. And I do know that an usual, uh, supplement to, uh, faith formation is, um, Churches subscribing to entertainment outlets that specialize in Christian entertainment or even um, Christian um, animated educational series. And one of the popular uh, companies that does that is Right Now Media. And yep. I know of several churches that subscribe to that and allow their families to tap into that so that and maybe you'll see that. Maybe. Faith formation throughout the week when they have downtime as a family. Right. That can be done in the homes too. Yeah. And, and that's becoming more and more popular. And I can see why. And after COVID. But, you know, I think that, well, and let me read this real quick. This is on page 56 and 57. It says, what are some of the things that people think about when they think about Christian education? To teach Bible stories, to teach children how to worship, which I think is kind of interesting. Teach the traditions of the denomination. That's a confirmation. To teach about a Christian response to particular topics and issues in the world. That's probably going to be a little more high school. To have time to make new friends and build relationships in the context of church. That's Wacky Wednesdays. To memorize scripture. That's kind of 5th and 6th grade, 7th and 8th. To have a place for children to go while adults worship. I wouldn't say we really That's have. children's church. Children's church, but we don't really do that. Because, of the, because a real church has Sunday school, we've always done it that way. But if you go back to what Sunday school was originally for, it wasn't originally for children. It was originally for adults and kids to learn how to read and write from the scriptures. And then finally, because we have, oh, because we have to compete with the other churches in town. And I think that's something that 
has always been uh, an issue in the churches that I've been in. Well, if we don't have it, then they won't come. And, and that's not necessarily true. Um, if we don't have it on Sunday morning, doesn't mean that they're not going to worship. But if we don't have it at all, that's a different question. That's a whole different question. So, anyways, okay, let's uh, let's keep going forward, honoring our time here of thirty minutes. Okay. Why is it hard to present the gospel of Jesus in ways that are both compelling and memorable? And how did Jesus do it? Well, people's attention span is a lot shorter. People's uh, sophistication uh, is a lot higher in how they take in information with you know multimedia and internet and things of that nature. Um, Jesus did it by telling stories, telling parables, and modeling the faith also himself. And so I'm going to use a lot more. There's uh, YouTube does have a tremendous amount of really good video materials that are available for free. And I'm going to be tapping into more of that for confirmation. Definitely. No question about that. And, and, and high school. Tell the story. People remember stories. That is true. Um, seven, why is it important to have good primary statement about Christian education? You need to know what you're shooting for. So what is it you're trying to accomplish? And, and if you don't, well, I think Matthew 28 is really what it is. A disciple is somebody who's been baptized and is learning everything that Jesus has commanded of them. And I think that that's the idea. You need to know who Jesus is first. What is a Christian uh, lifestyle look like second and I'd say probably your denominational uh, theology probably comes third but if you don't know who Jesus is you know what are you doing what are you trying to accomplish okay let's keep going all right um, on to uh, our next question number nine why might the best place for Christian education be excuse me why might the best place for Christian education be during the worship service, and how can that be done? Right. Well, and we skipped over eight, and we kind of covered that already. That's the common responses to the purpose of Christian education. I already kind of jumped the gun and hit that. So, so nine. Why? Uh, why might the best place for Christian education? Where? Why might the best place for Christian education be during the worship service? Well, we know that that's what they're coming to. So, if that's where you have them, how do we better utilize that time? That's a great question. Okay, do you go longer in your worship? Do you include, you know, children's church so that you pull the kids out for 30 minutes during the worship service like they do in a lot of Presbyterian churches and then bring them back and that covers it? That's an option. And then your sermon goes longer and so, you know, that kind of a thing. And then you just kind of skip the adult stuff. I guess you still have adult stuff later. That's what a lot of the Baptist churches have done. And that's not a bad model. But again, you have to have the people to pull that off, you know, so that is a model. But we have the children's message, which we do uh, twice a month. But kids do pick up a lot of stuff through the worship service, music, um, stained glass and art, prayers, how to pray, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. I mean, Luther basically says if somebody's supposed to take the sacrament, they need to know at least the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, and the Ten Commandments. The only thing we don't do in the worship service is the Ten Commandments. And maybe I need to add a section of that to the worship, like before I do the sermon. Maybe. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe every other week. But again, if that's where you have them, that might be the only place that you have to educate them. Well, one supplement I do like as far as um, education with the stu- with the children is that they we have the children's bulletins yep. that do go along with the scripture readings on their level. And if the children of the church take the time to take a bulletin and actually complete it, then they're at least being given the Christian um, education and the focus of the scriptures for that particular Sunday on their level. Right. And there's probably about a third of the children that I've noticed in church that actually utilize those bulletins. Uh, worship notes for confirmation. I think that's going to be important so to it, start this it, year. It, it gets them tied in. Yes, and I the, agree with that. To the worship. And if they miss, then they watch it online and they can still take notes. And there's even modified versions of that that you can have that go all the way down to the right. younger elementary age. Right, children. something to talk about. Okay, something about. But I think adding the Ten Commandments might, might be very important for me to do. And then um, maybe even add, I know that in a lot of Lutheran churches, they're incorporating the small catechism into the worship. And that probably is something that I need to do here. Yeah, you've seen that in yeah, Georgia. Yeah, they're, they're urging that because, again, yeah. they're starting to say, if this is when we have them, this might be the only time yeah. we have to educate them. Okay, um, let's kind of hit them. So these questions, number 10. Uh, why might a midweek family faith formation night become the solution to a Christian education? Well, again, you know, you, you pivot, pivot off of Sunday morning because they're busy and you catch them during the week. But the question I have around here is when are they not busy during the week? That's a great question. Okay. Number 11, you asked that one. How has the non-traditional family destroyed Sunday school for children? Well, you don't have moms and dads. You have a lot of single parent families. I'm talking about the church, not just I'm not talking about Emmanuel. I'm talking the big picture. So a lot of times kids are gone because they're seeing the other side of the family. If you have a divorced mm-hmm. family, then the kids are going to be hit and miss, you know, in worship and Sunday school. So that's changed the dynamic. Number 12. Why is the children's message an important component of faith formation? They, they come to the altar. They're not afraid of the altar time. It gives them a special time during worship just for them. And I think that that's important. We do it every other week. I, I'm glad we don't do it every week. It would really lengthen out that communion service, you know, even longer. But I'm glad we don't do communion every Sunday because it does open up opportunities for more stuff on non-communion Sundays. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Great. Okay. And also allows the children to be an active participant in the, in the service. So yep, yep. That's good, too. All right, 13, why is it difficult to adapt printed curriculum to a small church? That is huge. I think that CPH, Concordia Publishing House, they they have like one model in their mind, and that is, you know, we're going to publish for a, a large church with a parochial school, and that's it. And they, so what you have to do is you have to take material and adapt it to your own. You can't buy something canned. It's almost really hard to do that. That's why I take the time to write my own lesson plans for you know the adult Sunday school because what you don't own, you can't give away. But I find that a lot of materials are just not designed for what I'm trying to accomplish. So you can take something and modify it, but to just buy it canned and say, now our problem is solved is probably not, not going to work. You probably need teachers and educators coming together 
to adapt material to make it their own if they're going to do it. And the same is true with your confirmation lessons yeah, and even yeah. your bridge lessons. Everything's, you know, what made applies for that. To... Everything's made for that parochial school model, you know, like in Omaha. So, okay, okay. next. All right, 14. What is godly play and why is it an effective way to teach the Bible stories? It, well, it's kind of the Montessori model where you can create stations and you can create you know, like wood blocks and figures and where kids can tell the story for themselves. That's the kind of the idea of that. I just threw that in there because I thought it was a good idea that, you know, for little ones, you know, you get them telling the story to you instead of you telling the story to them. That's kind of the idea. Okay. 15. Why might workshop rotation model be a solution for Christian education? Well, that's the VBS model. 20 minutes, rotate, 20 minutes, rotate. I thought that maybe we need to do a, a modified VBS um, in addition to the regular VBS and not open it up to community. So maybe do a, a Christmas VBS and run it like Friday night, sat, like Friday, Saturday, and then maybe have something for them on Sunday. I, I don't know. I've thought about it. But again, you, if you can't get them consistently, maybe you can get them at least one time. Do it biannually or eventually maybe even once a quarter. Once a quarter, maybe something around Easter. On the fifth Sunday of the month right? or something like well, that. Well, if you did like fall, Christmas time, Easter, and then a VBS, some, I don't know. But if you can't pull it off regularly, maybe just, just do something different. You're going to have to think outside the box. Okay. Okay. Um, leading into special events, uh, number 16 what is the purpose of Vacation Bible School, and why do we consider it evangelism? Okay, uh, we just did it here. We had good attendance. I would say at least 80 to 85% of our attendance was community, not directly from our church. Probably the biggest mistake that they made with VBS this year is they had little guys too early. <laughs> yeah. So we probably need to put an age you know, group like you know preschool. Potty but, trained. Well, yeah, yeah and not, not showing up in diapers where parents just drop and go. Like, oh, it's free babysitting service. Um, so I think that, that that was probably one of the biggest struggles. But I think the kids that came were engaged, and I think they enjoyed they it. They were. I, I think it was very effective community outreach, evangelism, but VBS is not primarily for our kids. It's primarily for the community. Well, and I will say the nice thing about Vacation Bible School that I noticed is that it brought a lot of our um, families that are not active in Sunday school from Sunday to Sunday. It brought a lot of those families out, okay. um, at least for that week. So that was very nice um, to see also. Okay. All right, number 17, what is youth ministry? When does it start? What is its purpose? And when does it end? Uh, I would say fourth grade is when it starts. Um, I would say, what is its purpose? Well, it's a lot of things. I think it's learning who Jesus is, learning about the Bible, learning a little bit of our doctrine, and learning application to life. When does it end? Probably high school. And I think high school is, a, is kind of a mixed bag. I think once they hit their driver's license, you lose a lot of them because they're working. So... But, but it does end, I think, senior year in high school. So it starts about fourth grade and rolls up. That's really youth. I think under fourth grade is you're dealing more with children. That's more children's ministry. Fourth grade is probably the bridging age. 
There's a big difference between a fourth grader and a fifth grader, a fifth grader and a sixth grader, a sixth grader and a seventh grader. It's like every year they reinvent themselves. Okay. Okay. Question number 18. How can technology assist with Christian education? Well, I kind of talked about that because you're telling the story. It can really, I think in our day and age, you know, technology has become so accessible and, and fairly inexpensive. Music, videos, the smart board, you know, we've got it up and running again, and I plan on using it quite extensively for uh, confirmation in high school. So, so technology can really work to your advantage. Music ministry, um, all that. Run the stations. We use the projector uh, during the, the stations during VBS, and I think that was very effective. I would agree with that. Kids are, kids are programmed to watch a video. They are, even if it's just a five-minute video, and then yeah. you expand on uh, the, the biblical story with questions. It can assist, but it can't replace. Correct. Correct. Okay, and finally, our last question. How do the Jews educate their children, and what might we learn from this in our modern world? Okay, so this is my question, obviously. Jews had a life cycle. It was going to be... Born eight days, you're going to be bar, uh, excuse me, you're circumcised and named, and then you were dedicated to the temple, and then you were raised up, and then about six to seven age range, you learned how to read and write because you had to learn how to read and write Torah. Mom taught you that, and then you hit your bar mitzvah or your bar mitzvot, which is the bridging for boys and girls. Separate classes, by the way, didn't mix them together, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, separate groups. Uh, and then you became a young adult, and then you would learn you know, life skills from your mom and dad, but you went from your mother to your father, and then your father started modeling the faith for boys. So girls would go to the moms, and boys would go to their dads. And then about 20, you, know, you could fight in the military at that age, so you were kind of a full adult. But they had, set, they had specific things or specific markers that they had to hit. And, and I think that we can learn something from that is there should be a tracking system about where kids need to be at a certain point in their faith uh, formation process. And that is one of the things that families make a vow to the church and during baptism. We're going to baptize, but we're also going to raise this child up in the, in the church and the faith. So, you know, probably the biggest one, again, is when they hit that confirmation age, that's probably the most important. But they're, they're transitioning all the way through. So, okay, let's wrap it up because we've got to honor this 30-minute time frame. Three things we learned today. What do you think, number one? That um, Christian education is something you have to adapt to your specific congregation and the needs of your congregation. Okay, number uh, each congregation is different, right? Uh, I'll say number two is even though you might not have something, you need to have something. Having nothing is the worst thing yeah. you can possibly do. And then I'd say, I'm going to do the third one, and that is, it's really difficult when you get to a point where you no longer have a critical mass to be able to pull it off. So you got to make it a priority. And if, if worship's all you have, then that's all you have. So you use that and do something there. And that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. Okay, what, what more can I do during worship if I can't keep the kids for later. Well, one thing I think about, one thing that we can try to do is to provide um, resources that parents can use um, okay. through multimedia 
that yep. they can use in the homes to supplement just like we did in various places with our boys and anything from Adventures and Odyssey. Yeah, good. Um, no, good. Audio good. for good. children no, it's, it's to right that. now media, which is a, has a wonderful plethora of... Or you could have an Adventures and Odyssey listening club. Oh, gosh, I would love to do that. Yeah. That's, again, we need to be thinking that direction. So, so I think the, the the big takeaway here is is that Christian faith formation is something that is commanded in Scripture, and it might be transitioning how we do it, but we need to be looking outside the box on how to get it done. Correct. So, particularly right now for us at Emmanuel, thinking about that kindergarten to you know fourth grade age group, yeah. something to think about. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, again, the, the book we're using is um, Where Everybody Knows Your Name. This was covering uh, chapter four, which, was our, which is our fifth lesson because we had an introduction. And I look forward to uh, talking with you uh, next time. Thank you. Bye.